Welcome to Walking Down Hope Street, a brand new Falkirk fans podcast where each month we'll be meeting a former Bairn, chatting about their career and of course their time in the Navy Blue. Your co-hosts are myself Colin McFarlane and my good friend Lewis Hoggan. You can keep up to date with all the Walking Down Hope Street news via our Twitter account, which is at WDH Street. We're starting the podcast with a cracking first guest, Crawford Bapti. A player with well over 200 appearances for Falkirk across two spells as a player and a third spell back as general manager. A Hall of Fame inductee and Falkirk's team of the millennium, so it's safe to say a fan's favourite. Delighted to be here in East School Bride, so welcome to the show Crawford, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, looking forward to it. Brilliant. So it's been a number of years since you've you've been at Falkirk, Tell tell the listeners what you've been up to since then. Well, like everybody else, I've been working away. In my two stints, uh, I've worked with Arnold Clark for nearly 33 years now, and I'm just continuing to work away with Arnold at present. Fantastic. And so, I mean, let's go on. We're, we're here to obviously talk about your, your football career. So you had a reputation as a, a no-nonsense type player. Obviously, you started your career off in, in junior football. So Canvas Lang Rangers, Lark Hall, then, then Bailiston. How much did that ground in sort of shape you as a footballer? I think back in my day, the junior, the juniors was a, a tremendous experience. There was guys there that were fearsome characters. You know, even I was shit scared of some of them with their <laughs> reputations. But as I say, you found your way as a young boy. You get in there and you held your own. But it was a, it was a good learning curve for me. Uh, you don't see many players going from the juniors to the professional game anymore. But do you think that's a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. I think football's changed nowadays. I think. <laughs> The junior football has got a lot closer to the second division. There are many players in playing junior football that could easily, I think, make the step up. But nowadays, junior clubs are paying very, very good money. And and nine times out of ten, they're paying more than the senior clubs. So these junior players will just stay where they are because it's it's a good level to be at when you're in in a good top junior club. Mm. Absolutely. And... Obviously, your time in the juniors were there sort of really good players that you were playing with or against, and were there any names you can share with us? When I went to Bellison, I was, um, what was I, 22? 22 when I went to Bellison, and um, Russell Craig was building a, a right good side at Bellison at the time. And with a mix of experience and youth players, obviously, I was part of the youth coming in. And in the, the four years I was with them, we were at two Junior Cup finals. Unfortunately, we got beaten both. Um, but, and then the fourth year, we started um, the season off, and then obviously in October, um, Falkirk came in for me. Uh, so, can you tell us a bit about what happened there, how Falkirk's approach came about? I'd, to be honest, when you're at a club and everything's going well and the players are great, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven because... We were all had girlfriends, the older players had wives, we had nights out, it was great that the, the, the team camaraderie he had was fabulous and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven I would have signed for Bellison for the next 10 years and I was in the house one Friday night and the phone went and it was uh, Billy Lamont he says hi Billy Lamont your son he says I'm Falkirk manager I'm going to be signing you he says Bellison are okay with that I went what's your name he says Billy Lamont I says give me your number so I took his number I says I need to make a wee call I'll phone you back so I phoned the manager at Bellison I says, Jim, I've had this Billy Lamont on saying he wants to sign me for Falkirk. I Crawford, he says, senior. I says, are you letting me go? <laughs> he went, of course we are. He says, it's a chance to go senior. I kept saying, are you okay with this? He went, Crawford, we're fine with that. Yeah. 
go and have it a, give it a go. So I went, okay, so I phoned Billy back. I says, I Billison says it's okay then. He went, right, son, I'll come round your house and I'll sign you when you'll be playing tomorrow. I went, okay. So round he came the Friday night, we signed up. He told me to pick me up the next day. He came with his wife in the car, took me to the game. Obviously, it was the Hamilton game, and we won 6-4, and I thought I scored, and I thought, is this what senior football's like every week? <laughs> Brilliant. So, uh, when you came into Falkirk, I mean, what was the, the dressing room like there? Who were the, the sort of star players and the, and the key men? It was, you know, we were all part-time then. So, everybody was working and everybody had different jobs, and there was all different characters, you know. Again, I was 25 when I came. There was a mixture of younger players and the older players, um, it was just it was a good bunch of boys I mean Jimmy the car I travelled up and we played the first game at Hamilton and um, after the game Peter Houston was saying where'd you stay Crawford or where'd you work I said it's Arnold Clark I'm down at Mount Vernon right I'm up in Bells Hill at the pub for training come up dump the car there and I'll take my car so Peter had a wee Nissan Cherry at the time right <laughs> so there was Peter me Jimmy Dempsey and then latterly Brian Irvin in this wee car your knees were up at your chin <laughs> so we used to take the back road up through Slaman and, but, and we all changed cars but it was just a great bunch of boys we had there at that time Aye, ideal so you've, you have played in a number of positions for Falkirk what, what's your most comfortable position? I don't know comfortable or what I prefer playing yeah. if someone asks you to play anywhere in the park you're not going to say no Yeah. but I think the easiest to play is up front because if I lost the ball, which happened a lot, you know, <laughs> they had to get another 10 players by them before they could score. Yeah. If I was playing centre-half and I made a mistake, it could be a goal, you know, and, and, and it gets to you because you think, I've cost the boys enough. So, you know, up front, it was carefree. You could try and score, but if you lost it, well, other guys will get it back for you. Aye. So were you playing a mix in the juniors of sort of all over no. the park? or would you? No, no. I was midfield. I was... I was a box-to-box midfield player, so they told me. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Bayliston always encouraged me to, to get in the box, scoring goals, and I made a lot from knockdowns and things. It was Billy Lamont that first played me at centre-half, and the reason that came about was we, we were going through a wee period where things weren't going well, and the, the Billy, being Billy, we all turned up for training one night, and um, he had a flip chart in the dressing room, you know, you don't normally get flip charts in the dressing room. He says, right, boys, we're, we're just going to have a wee meeting before training mm-hmm. and get this sorted out. I want you to be totally frank and let's get it out in the flip chart of what's wrong. And Big Stuart Burgess put his hand up. <laughs> and Billy went, right, Stuart, the manager's shite. <laughs> we all just fell about the place, didn't know what to do. But Big Burgess was serious because he didn't get on with So anyway, that was a Thursday night. Saturday came, picked a team, Big Birdie wasn't he playing. Now, he was a tremendous player for us. Billy left him out. So everybody's going, what's happening? Birdie's not playing, Birdie's not playing. Yeah. And it wasn't, we went out for the warm-up, we came back in and then just before we are going out, he took me aside, he says, I want you to play centre-half a day. So, I just went, okay. <laughs> and that was my first time ever playing centre-half. I think it was against Patrick Thistle. There was a big centre-forward up front, but that suited me fine. Aye. Can't remember his name, but anyway. <laughs> and so was that that sort of time where Billy Lambert was maybe losing the dressing room and time for him to, to move on? I think so, I think so. You know, 
we had a great start. We did well when I went, and and, and things improved. I mean, <laughs> Billy, the either way of bringing you back down to earth, you know. Players say, you know, some some players you need to give them a wee cuddle. Some players need to put up the ass. Mm-hmm. Billy, his own specific way. I was getting some good press, and you know, Baptist doing well in the midfield, and you know, you're reading it thinking, oh, I could be a player. <laughs> One Saturday, Billy pulls me aside. Big man, come here. Listen, son, don't you start thinking you're a player, right? Just you win the ball and give it to somebody that can do anything with it. Okay. I went, okay, gaffer. <laughs> that was him. Straight to the point. And who were the players you were supposed to give it to? Who were the better ones in that team? We crunchy. I mean, at the end of the day, see if you were in trouble. Just look for Kevin. He would always take it. The punishment that wee guy took was unbelievable but he'd just get back up and go on and he would take the ball away or run and give everybody else a, a breather. Mm. So this was the sort of start of his career before he went to Chelsea, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was, Kevin's you know, his attitude was just unbelievable as well. Just unbelievable player. Um, so you moved on to Motherwell in 1986. Was that something you wanted or was it was it forced upon you? No, I get told that uh, there was a swap deal on the cards and I was going to Motherwell and Rob Stewart was coming to Falkirk. I was disappointed to leave because I, I thought I was playing well, but I think Tommy McLean had made a, an inquiry for me. And of course, to, to sway the deal, they, they had a change with we Rob Stewart, the we use your centre forward. So I went to Motherwell, signed, and I made my debut at Parkhead. Um, I think it was a Tuesday night and of course this all happened on the Tuesday afternoon and I signed <laughs> and I can remember <laughs> friends of mine they're at Parkhead and of course we ran out I had the number 4 on and one of the boys was telling me later he says hey look at the big number 4 it looks like Big Craw Jesus Christ that's him <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know I'd signed because nobody knew so we went there made my debut but we, we got beat but my home debut against Dundee, I scored two. But uh, didn't help for there. <laughs> so you played, you played at Motherwell alongside uh, some other experience like Fraser Wishart and Steve Kirk. Yeah. But um, you also went uh, played with uh, other players who went on to bigger things like Andy Walker, or Tom Boyd. Well, see, Andy Walker, when I was at Baylison, mm. on my uh, the year we went to the second Junior Cup final. Pre-season started and these two very small lads, I think they were only 17, came to train with us. Mm-hmm. And we looked at them and we thought, these guys will never make it. Yep. One was Andy Walker and the other one was Tommy Walker. Right. Okay. Andy, the same year I left for Falkirk, Andy signed with Motherwell. Tommy Walker latterly went to Aberdeen. So, you know, there was two young lads that came in. So I knew Andy from playing a season with him. Aye. Uh, then I, we met up again at uh, at Motherwell Tom Boyd, yeah I knew, again it was a mixture of part time players and full time players um, so you didn't really get to know the full timers as well because we were just training two nights a week at that time Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, was, it is what it is again, when I went with Tommy and you know, I said Tommy I'm, what, I was 27 then, I said look I only want part-time football. He says, well, that suits me fine, Crawford. He says, I just want you as a part-timer because we've got other lads. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we got there, you know, the, the other part-timers started disappearing and there was only a handful of us. 
Aye. But it's not the best. But anyway. Did you enjoy your time at Fur Park? <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. I, I probably didn't do my best there. You know, Tommy had his own... I think Tommy McLean's a fantastic coach. I really do. I think his coaching was great. His man management, maybe not, maybe not as good. Um, it all come about. I was, I was playing. You know, I'd be in the team and I'd be playing well. And then, you know, he, he keeps saying to me, "Can you not come in? Maybe a, a Tuesday or a Thursday morning?" I says, "Tommy, I'm a manager in the garage. I can't. We hope it one morning. I can't." All oh, right, so he kept on it, man. You know, because he was a full time player, he doesn't understand part time. I don't think. No disrespect him, but anyway. Finally came, we played Celtic one night, so he asked me to mark Roy Aitken right up my street. So with a good game, I thought I played really well. So after it, uh, I think it was Archie McPherson was talking to wee Tommy in sports scene, and he says, well, Andy Walker was my man of the match, and wee Tommy went, no, 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 he says, Big Baptist was outstanding, he says, my man of the match. So obviously I thought, I'm playing next week. So next week came, we were playing at Clyde Bank, so I was sub, that's fine. So, you know, I left it to Monday night, we did training, chapped his door, I says, Gaffer, I said, uh, you know, again Celtic, man of the match, I said, and then come to Clyde Bank and I'm sub, ah, it's just tactics, just tactics, don't worry about it. I says, okay, next week came, I wasn't in the 13, so after training Monday night, chaps his door, I says, man of the match against Celtic, sub against Clyde Bank, I'm known the, the squad, I can work in my midfield during the day, I says, well that's fine. Just get rid of me then because I'm not going full time. And fortunately for me, only one club I think were showing an interest, and that was Falkirk, and I was more than happy to come back. You're talking now 1987, is that right? Yeah. So you're back at Falkirk in the Premier League. Did it feel a bit like coming home? I was just so glad to get back to somewhere that I liked, albeit it was a different manager. It was um, Dave Clark was there. But when I spoke to Dave, you know, he, he was such an enthusiastic guy and he wanted me to play for him. And, and you need that, you need somebody to want you. And I just I just couldn't believe I was getting back to Falkirk. Because I didn't really want to leave in the first place, but, you know, the way it was put, you're going to Motherwell, we're getting Rab. Okay, you know, I was going to play in the Premier League, which I thought I would never do. But uh, no, really, really pleased to be back at Falkirk. So you mentioned it was Dave Clark that brought you back. What was the difference between Dave Clark and Billy Lament? Just completely different styles? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people didn't like like Dave's style. He, it was him that actually put me up front. You know, he just had a word with me one day. He says, I want you to play centre-forward. Oh, okay. So, and then, you know, all he wanted to do was hit long balls up to me to knock them down, and it's not the best of football. You know, Supporters like to come and be entertained, and you know he was getting he was getting a lot of stick for the style we were playing. But at the end of the day, if that's the style he wants and he keeps telling you to play it, you've got to do it. And eventually, you know, I think you know with the, the supporters being unhappy and maybe the results, then you know the board made the decision and and Dave left. It was Jim Jim Duffy that came in after that, yeah. Yep, Jim came in as I think it was the youngest manager. I think he was twenty nine. Obviously, you know what happened to Jim was knee and he got told he couldn't play again. But he was, he was just like one of the boys, Jim. You know, I think it's, it's hard coming from the dressing room to be a manager. He still wanted to be involved in the fun and, and stuff. But I liked Jim. I really liked him. He was he was straight down the middle, honest with you. Um, wasn't there long enough, obviously. 
that move led to you getting a hat trick in the Premier League, and you're the last person to do that until Anthony Stokes came along. So, can you talk us through your hat trick? Um, I, I can't remember much about it. It was, I think, it was a Tuesday night game, and uh, Dundee United had a hell of a team out. I mean, it was all that, that European uh, lineup, and it was just typical Falkirk. You know, a Tuesday night at Brockville with the lights that you can hardly see, and um, I can't remember the first one. I think the second one was a wee one-two with somebody and I put it away. So I had two goals and then in the last minute we got a penalty. Now I'm not a penalty taker, um, but I thought, well, it's my only chance really to get a hat-trick. So, you know, a minute ago we thought, if I miss, we couldn't get beat. So I went for it, yep. I shot and had it as hard as I could and it went in. So (laughs) I think it was afterwards, it was, you know, you're in the wee corridor at Brockville and all the guys are there from the the different TV programmes. And this lad came up and he says, Crawford, he says, how many hat-tricks have you scored in your career? I said, including that one. He went, yeah, I says, one. <laughs> Brilliant. What was it actually like to play at uh, Brockville? It's something that Falkirk fans would, will never get the opportunity to do. So I speak to so many people that, that miss the atmosphere at Brockville. For a player, you know, everybody was so close, you could hear everything. But Brockville was just renowned for the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I loved playing there. It was a small, tight pitch, so you know you could get closer to the the, the opposition. Um, but tremendous place. But unfortunately, you know it was a it was a wooden stadium. You know, we had to move on. We had to move on. Sorry, bring you back down to earth again. Obviously, you had the the Dundee United game where you scored the hat trick, but still relegated that season. How how bad a blow was that? You feel bad as a player, but you really feel for the supporters. You know, you, there were supporters in tears, and you, it, it means so much to them. We're disappointed as players, and we feel as if we personally, I felt as if I'd let them down because we couldn't, we couldn't stay up. Um, it's just a terrible, terrible feeling. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Mm. We, we talked at the start of the show there about you being a, a Falkirk fans' favourite. Was that something that you were aware of during your time, or was that only more recently that you, you kind of got that? I think as I think as time went on, you know, I knew there was a kind of affiliation there that you know I wasn't the best player, but I would give you a hundred percent, and I think that's why you know I was maybe liked so much. Um, it's the only thing I can think of because there's been far better players than me at Falkirk um, that maybe have haven't had the same following that I had. Mm-hmm. And again, the you know the, the two businessmen that that organised my benefit dinner, I had no idea why they were doing that, and they just felt that you know I'd I'd played every position as you say I played every mm-hmm. position bar goal. Um, you know I've been a part time all my career, and I did that. So the the benefits dinner and being in the the, the team of the millennium that sorry the the team the, the benefit dinner was was great because you know my mum was there and of course it was a wee bit rowdy in the the town hall and they were all singing the swearing and my mum's going oh right yeah she was she's never really you know been at a football game like that or or even a night like that but I think you know she saw how much that all these people were there for me and it, she made her so proud you know. That I was um, I was up in that um, stage, but you weren't allowed to speak. But uh, that was a, a fantastic night, yeah. 
the following season um, we came close to lifting the first division but missed out to Dunfermline was that particularly difficult considering they are our bitter rivals the, the game against the games against Dunfermline we used to have I used to say because you know I'm, I'm from Glasgow what is it between Dunfermline and Falkirk supporters I, I, you know we hate the fight I, I don't understand that you know Rangers Celtic yeah but Falkirk Dunfermline I just didn't know what the rivalry was yeah. there were a bitter rivals I mean we've had some tremendous nights and, and a guy just actually said to me it was a couple of days somebody phoned me and we spoke about Super Tuesday he yeah, brought that yeah. and then that brought back memories <laughs> for me it was great meeting Dunfermline because of the rivalry um, I remember we went to Dunfermline one night and uh, it was getting late in the game and we Kevin went up the left wing and as usual I know he's going to beat the guy and I know he's going to get the ball in and I managed to score a header and you know just to, to beat them was fabulous <laughs> our last game of the season was um, against Forfa yeah. we had to go and win at Forfa but if they won they had to lose Yeah. and we went and we got beat 2-1 I can remember <laughs> and that was tough to take yeah tough to take and you know we knew we knew they were they were a good side in Fermland and uh, it just wasn't to be that year so you went on to spend another couple of seasons at Falkirk and eventually got your, your hands on silverware in 1990 did you get a sense when Jim Jeffries came in that things might be a little bit different yeah Jim came in and, and obviously the club kind of went all full time and, and they made the big decision and they changed Jim spoke to me and you know offered me do you want to go full time I said Jim no I'm quite happy I'm a manager of Arnold Clark if you don't mind I'll stay part time he was great about it um, so I remained part time and he started bringing you know players like Tommy McQueen we Alec Taylor come up every player of course you know Stainrod I can remember Stainrod from you know although roughly or probably ages you know I can remember him when he was down in English their first division all the clubs he played with then and I think at one point Terry Venables was wanting to sign for Barcelona and we're going we're signing Simon Stainrod <laughs> so you know it was it was great times and Jeffries. I think everybody could see that we were, we were really making a push and we were changing the club from part time to full time and he was bringing in a better quality player What did you make of the Jim Jeffries Billy Brown double act? I go on great with him because at the end of the day I'm not training day in day out with him I see them every Saturday. Yep. What Jim did with me, he organised with Hamilton. I trained two nights a week with Hamilton yep. and my mate was playing with uh, Pollock Juniors. Yeah. So I would train a Wednesday with Pollock Juniors and Monday and Thursday with Hamilton. And then I would turn up on a Saturday. And then, you know, if I was in the team, Jim and Billy would, they would take me aside, tell me, set pieces, this is happening. If I'm not in the team, then fair enough. But, you know, I, I, I got on very well with both of them. I actually met them in holiday one year. Jim Jeffries and Billy, they used to go away with the families and the wives. Right. And uh, Kay and I had booked up, I think our Jack was oh, maybe one, so still in a pram, Neil would be three, and we booked this uh, holiday complex in Alcudia. So I'm in my work one day and the phone goes and it's Jim Jeffries. Hi, Crawford, Jim here. Where is it you're going on your holiday again with the wife? I says, well, it's this uh, holiday complex what a deal me and Billy got. He says, we'll see you out there. I went, <laughs> all right, so there. Second week was our first week. So we arrived at this complex 
there was nine apartment blocks, six swimming pools. I says, Kay, we'll never see them. So we walked in, dumped the stuff, gets the kids ready in the pram, gets outside in case talking to somebody upstairs from us. Billy and Jim, they weren't <laughs> above us in the flat. So, you know, I socialise with them that we would meet at night and we'd go out for drinks. I was always up every morning, they saw me. I was away from a five-mile run every morning. Um, but no, I got on great with them, you know, absolutely fine. Brilliant. The early 90s are sort of held in a lot of affection by Falkirk fans. There was other sort of Falkirk legends that came in. John Hughes, what was he like to, to play with? We all, we all know what John's like. We've all probably seen the video of him running around Brock Falk Starkers. John, one thing about him, he loved a laugh, he loved a joke. But one thing about Yogi, see when it came to the football and you went on that park, that was it. Aggression, you know, the will to win. But off the park, he was just life and soul. You know, the things he would get up to just for a laugh. He was just full of fun, but an absolute cracking guy. The dressing room in that time, was there plenty of guys there that you could go out and enjoy a beer with? It was kind of different because I was the only part-timer. So there was something, you know, the, the, the boys that were there, the, some of the players that were there, I, I, I would look and if I was playing, I'm thinking, how can I get in this team? You know, the, the, the team that he put together in these years was brilliant. Unfortunately, I was part-time, and uh, maybe the gaffer would give the, the guy, right guys, you've got Monday off, give it a good week with one, right, Monday off instead of Wednesday. So the boys would go, right big man, we're all going out Sunday night, you coming? And I'm saying, well I'm wanting Monday. So, you know, I missed out on a lot because I was part-time, I couldn't just go whenever I wanted, you know. I mean, if you didn't have the, the job at Arnold Clark, would full-time football be something that you would have definitely wanted to do, or were you happy just doing the, the part-time? Personally, I never thought, you know, I was good enough to go. At the end of the day, I was playing amateur and I loved the club I played with. And then Cambridge Lang came in and I signed with them and I thought, I'm playing junior now. And then after a couple of years junior, I got to one of the, the top clubs, Bailison, and I thought, I've died and gone to heaven. And then next time Falkirk came in. I never, you know, I didn't sit there and go, I'm going to play professional football. Because yeah. I never thought I was good enough. But um, as I say, I, I just took things as they came I, I didn't really have a plan I didn't think I'm going to try and go full time I think with me everybody knows what you get they could have trained me day in day out I don't think they'd have made me a better player <laughs> <laughs> you know your strengths yeah you know we've got our strengths and maybe you know it's like Brian Rice who's now manager at um, Hamilton you know Brian was a character with guys with Brian Whitaker obviously no longer here but Brian, see the fun we used to have in that dressing room. Mm-hmm. I always remember Brian Rice. So before a game, I'm playing, and Brian come up to me. And you know Brian, he, his nickname's Chipper because he can put that ball anywhere on the pitch. Mm-hmm. He's got the ball under his arm. He says, big man, you and me are going to go and entertain the crowd. He says, I'm going to fire the ball into you and you try and control it. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned uh, Brian Rice there, but like play. Uh, players that you played alongside like Ian McCall David Weir Yogi Eddie May they've all gone into management could you see back then that they'd still be involved in the game? One that you would never think would have been a manager would have been Ian McCall but you know fair play to him Ian has done very well didn't work out for him at Dundee United but look at my ear now he's, he's really done wonders with yeah. it was hard to see if players what, what they really thought I think a lot of the players were saying they were going for their, their badges. Yeah. I had no interest in coaching. 
probably because you had to go in your own time, but as a professional, then when the season's finished, they could go and do their A badge or their B. I would need to take a week off work, but I had never the inclination to be a coach. Again, it was probably a conference thing with me, you know, how could I tell somebody what to do when I wasn't the best player? So coaching wasn't really something that that, um, I thought about. So, in 1993, you moved on to, to Hamilton at the age of 34. Was, was sort of age the biggest factor why you didn't make the, the step up to Falker, or were there other, other reasons behind that? No. We signed, it was pre-Bosman then, so before then, we'd, we signed two-year contracts. And I'd signed a two-year contract that was taking me up to the end of my contract at 34. And Jim Jeffries was happy with that. He signed it. So, when it came, my contract was out. Ian Monroe, I trained with Hamilton for the past two years. And Ian said, Crawford, you know, I'd really like to get you at Hamilton. I, I need a, a solid centre-half that, you know, you could pair up with Jim Weir. That was his plan. He says, I'd, I'd love it if you could come to us. So it, it was never about money. I remember I, I phoned Jim Jeffries and I thought about things. And, and the reason I went to Hamilton is that Ian Monroe wanted me. And he says, Crawford, you know, Captain, he says, you'll be in the team as long as you're playing well, you'll be there. I was going to be playing football. Mm. Jim knew he could sit me on the bench, I could come on at the back, I could go on up front if it maybe wasn't happening, I could do, but I would never be a first time, a, a, a first choice for Jim. Mm. And I said that to him. I phoned him, I says, Jim, just to let you know, I'm going to sign my Hamilton. He says, Crawford, he says, how much are my... I says, no, Jim, it's not about the money. Yeah. They're going to be playing me every week. Yeah. I said, you can't guarantee that. And I know you can't. I said, so I want to play. I'm getting older. I don't want to sit on the bench for the next two years. And he went, I appreciate that. Because he knew as a part-time player, I could just continue to train with Hamilton. And I'm a kind of good squad player to have in there on the bench. So that's why I decided to go to Hamilton. And you went on to play for over 100 times for Hamilton, so that's not too bad at that age as well. Yeah, I mean, I've always kept myself very fit, you know, it's, it's one thing that, maybe a wee bit vanity, but, you know, I, I think I'm always fit enough, I think I was fit enough, you know, and even playing older till I was 39, 40 then, when I finished playing, I started playing over 35 league, yeah. and I played till I was like 55 and that, Brilliant. so... um the reason I chucked the over 35s, well, we played a friendly one night and I was centre-half. My son was playing, so him and me were centre-half. So his friend for the junior team were in the other team. So I says, right, Jack, you take him, I'll take the older guy. But as it happens, I was left one-on-one with his mate <laughs> that played junior. So I thought, right, I need to give myself a good yard. So I gave myself a yard, and because I was that far away from him, I didn't know what to do. So then he thought, I'll just hit it by him. So the lad hit it by me. He went round me so wide I couldn't grab him and he scored. Well, I was raging about that. I came in and the wife's like, oh, what's up with you? I said, oh, this guy beat me for pace and then he scored. My son says, Dad, he was 30 years younger than you. I went, hey, you've got a point. <laughs> Unfortunately, age catches up with you. So then I thought at 55, I says, well, I've had a good run in. So I finished with the, the, over, the kind of over 35s. So... After you were obviously in that Hamilton team, who were the, the sort of big players and the, the key men in that Hamilton? Um, I don't think we had any special players. You know, the, 
the, the big players were Jim Weir. He was obviously a really good centre half, and he went to to Hearts. Um, Colin Miller again, a Canadian international, good wee player, went to Hearts. Craig Napier, um, he was a smashing right back, and and Kamalik signed him. So we lost, you know, three defenders, and we were just made that the probably the, the best player we had was Peter Duffield. I don't know where where um, we got him from, but he came up from down south. We Peter. Five foot five or five foot six, I thought. You know, you just look at him, but by God, could he bang in the goals? And and fair play to wee Peter. Seaman training was finished. We Peter would be out there. Getting in and goals from the right hand side, ball would be in the far post. So he was doing really well. Excellent. I remember him uh, with Morton and Falkirk as well. Um, so after Hamilton, you went to Clyde and then laterally Stennis Smear. Yeah, I mean, I, I still wanted to play. Um, so. Uh, who was it Gardner Spears he phoned me says Crawford he says do you want to come and train and see how you're feeling I went ah so I went there and Brian Rice was there so I had another year with Brian so we played a year there and then the following year it was the chairman Ronnie that took over Hamilton they came in at Clyde but they brought all the the junior players in so we moved on and I thought oh well at 39 that's me and then Terry Christie phoned me and I was in work he says, Crawford, he says, do you want to play for us tomorrow night? I went, I okay, Terry. He says, it's something Brechin. I went, okay, fine. <laughs> so I got away from work early, went away up to Brechin. I'd done my own pre-season because I wasn't winning a club. And I played and signed that night for Terry at 39. So that was us. So you're getting a sense at, at that age, obviously, your, your playing days were, were coming to an end. Was there a sort of plan to try and stay in the game after that? Or were you, were you happy to, to call it time? Well, the reason that I retired, or I mean still trying to play, was, you know, I went to Falkirk as general manager. So as the season ended, I'd been offered the job as a general manager. So I knew, well, that's it. The playing days are over. But it was it was great how it came about. You know, I finished at 40. Mm. So I had a good, I had a good innings. Albeit I came into the senior game late at 25. But uh, no, no, I'd, I'd, I'd done okay. So how, how did becoming the general manager of Falkirk, how did that come about? I played in a charity match at Falkirk and uh, afterwards we were all in the boardroom mixing and one of the directors came up and, and said that, you know, the club were going forward, going to be selling the ground, would I be interested in the general manager's job? And I'd never thought about it um, and never say never. So I went, yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't mind. He says, look, can I get the chairman to meet you? so that he can just have a talk with you to see if you've got the credentials maybe to go forward for the interview. So I met Martin Rich in Glasgow. Um, first time I'd ever met Martin. So he was asking me all questions. What did I do in my work? What? So anyway, he says, yeah, he says, look, Crawford, he says, could you put in a CV? Because obviously we're, we need CVs in and you'll get an interview. I went, fine. So I hadn't done a CV in 20 years. So put my CV in, got the interview, and then, lo and behold, they offered me the job. So that was a big decision. I remained part-time throughout my career. And I'd been 20 years with Arnold Clark. And then I was offered a full-time position. The board did put it across that we were cl- close to, to, to selling the ground. And I believed them with a lot of setbacks. And I thought, maybe this is just the right time to come in at Falkirk. You know, we'll get into the new stadium and we'll, we can progress from there. And, you know, I thought I could, I could give the club something. Mm-hmm. So I agreed to do it. Yeah. And... Um, that's how I ended up at Falkirk, the general manager. 
And so what was the atmosphere like when you, you first went in there? Because obviously I think the, the first year you were in was the year after liquidation, so were, were people down in the dumps? or it, it was a tough time. I think the first thing the board had to do was really, you know, be honest with everybody and, and, and pay people. You know, things like that were not happening with the previous board when we went into liquidation. So everything had to be up front and above board. And, you know, we're doing things the proper way. And and that suited me. And it was just winning, winning businesses' um, confidence that, you know, if, if they, they supplied us some goods, we would pay them. And and slowly we get round there. And, and again, you know, um, my main objective, they told me, was reduce the cost, increase the revenue. That was the only two things I had to do. And, you know, we did, over a period of time, we more than trebled the commercial revenue um, at the club. And again, we had to, you know, we had to to pay people off because there was times it was really, really tight. But um, harsh things had to be done. It was it was not a nice time. I didn't I, I didn't like that side of it. But it was just a business decision that we had to to make people redundant, and it wasn't a good time. Didn't like that at all. But we come through it. On the footballing aspect, was it difficult to bite your tongue? Uh, when dealing with the managers? you got to remember, I, I, I was the general manager now, so, you know, the manager ran the team, I ran the club, mm. the, the income coming in, the outgoings. Yep. So, you know, I don't get involved in any any of the managerial things, mm-hmm. so to speak. The only thing was, latterly, when it was Ian McCall was there, obviously I played with Ian, and, you know, they were all saying, right, big man, Come on, down, we're just going to get a wee game of five sides. Now, I would have loved to get down, but I'm not I'm the general manager. We've got work to do. So <laughs> it was um, it was good, but there was bad times as well. Obviously, you were at the club when we were stopped from being promoted due to the stadium, and I, th- I think you were working in porter cabins in the, in the car park. What was that time like? As I say, that the whole time was difficult. You know, the, the porter cabins we had, I remember uh, the porter cabins we had were, were big ones. And at the end of the day, I asked the, the company if they would reduce the cost. They said no. So I handed in the notice with chains and for smaller ones just to save, you know, maybe £1,000 a month. But it was a lot of money at the time. Mm. So, you know, we're working out of these porter cabins, which wasn't the best. But um, we just got on with it. We had to, you know, keep, you know, the hospitality at Brockville. It's a fantastic day out, but, you know, the, the small rooms were jam-packed full and we couldn't get any more money in that way. How can you get more money in the club? But we, we, we got there. So, I mean, the club still obviously hold a special place in your heart. It's been a number of years since you've, you've obviously played and been involved. Have you been following them recently? Have you? What do you make of things in the last few seasons? Yeah, it's been a difficult time. I mean, from, from Peter Houston's time, you know, to be runners-up, Losing the, the cup final, I thought Peter was a, an excellent manager. And and sometimes the board, somebody just gets a bit edgy, maybe wants a wee change. Personally, I thought they get rid of Peter far too early. You know, Peter's an experienced manager. Things would have come round. Everybody has wee bad spells as managers. But that's the board's decision. They've got to try and get the, the best for the club. Again... <laughs> Paul Hartland, Paul was getting rave reviews, I remember, like, was it Cardiff they were wanting him, or, or some a big club down south, he didn't go, went to Dundee, but mm-hmm. then he came to Falkirk, and 
from what I hear from speaking to people that, that talk to me, they, they just didn't like the, the type of players he was bringing in. So they stuck with Paul for so long and need a change, yep. The lad McKinnon's come in. Now it's going to take him a time to get his own team in because from what I'm hearing, he needs to get rid of the players he doesn't like. And it's not an easy thing to do. You've got to give them time. So I don't like seeing them down there. You know, I see Alo are bottom now. But I've no doubt, and I've got friends at Apartic Thistle supporters, and I keep saying, listen, the two is all be coming up the table. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've just got to get up there and consolidate this year. Just get away from the relegation. And then, you know, if the boy McKinnon can bring his players in, I've heard he's He's good. And uh, a lot of people like what he's doing, so he's got to be given the time. Definitely. So, how do you think the game's changed since you've hung up your boots? I think I think it just gets quicker. You know, players are fitter now. You know, in, in my day, we didn't have dietitians. They told me rice was good for you. I had a curry every Friday. <laughs> you know, that nowadays they've got dietitians and telling players what to eat. They they kind of tell the players, you know, and, and the fitness. Yeah, we, we were as fit as we could. I mean, I remember I was 39 at, at Stenhouse Muir and we'd done a training session and there was there was other lads. There was a uh, 37-year-old, 30, you know, the, the, Terry went for all the older players all experience. But there was a couple of young lads there. So after training was over, all the young lads disappeared in the dressing room. So I would always stay out and then I would do sessions or sit-ups with other older guys. Yeah. And we used to say, they're the young ones away in there, you know. And they would have a shower and they're away and we're still doing our sit-ups. <laughs> and I'm thinking, but that was just me, you know. I, I just did as much as I could to try and keep as fit as I could. Crawford, tell us about your favourite goal for Falkirk. Um, I scored a few, but I think the, the one that really surprised me the most was um, against Hearts. It was a 6 nothing game. I'm sure a lot of supporters will remember that and it was my first goal we Kevin was down the left wing I always knew if he goes down there he's going to get the ball in so I made a run to the front post um, Big Craig Levine was with me but I just got in front of him and I flipped the ball on my left foot into the top corner and uh, you know I couldn't believe it went in but I think that was my, one of my best Superb and uh, alternatively what, what's been your uh, favourite red card? Well, unfortunately, there was a few, <laughs> but I think the ones that um, the one that most people remember is um, I think I was playing up front. It was against Air United, and there was a kind of sixty forty with the goalkeeper George Watson. I should never have gone for it, but I did. And as George dived over me, his boot caught me full in the face, so I was out cold. So the referee stopped the game, and the physio came on. And in those days, if you're out cold, they give you smelling salts, and I kind of came to and. My was starting to shut and George was saying, you okay, big man? I says, I'm fine, George. You okay? I'm fine. So the ref books me. So George put the ball down, passed it out the right back. I went over and put the right back up near. <laughs> the referee came over and went, I can't believe you've done that. I've just booked you. I says, you've never spoken to me. He says, I've just booked you two minutes ago. I says, no, you didn't. He says, you're going off. I says, what for? Couldn't believe it. I don't remember it. <laughs> so I went in the dressing room and the wee cat man came in. He says, right, Crawford, he says, uh, I'll run you a bath. He says, I was looking about the dressing room. I says, when's the game starting? He says, I'll get the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor came in, he says, Crawford, by this time my left eye was totally shut. He says, you're concussed, so I get taken up the hospital. So that was my, my red card. <laughs> Fantastic.
to finish up Crawford, we're doing our first on the team sheet feature. So we're asking all our guests who's the best Falkirk player they've played alongside. So who would it be for you? Kevin McAllister, without a doubt. What made him what made him different? Kevin. Just an unbelievable player that, you know, so many people have said that how we never get a Scotland Cup, I will never know. I think there was just somebody didn't like him for some reason, but Kevin was just an unbelievable player. You know, I mean, he made so many, I think, of, of my goals. You just knew if Kevin was in a run, he was going to get it in that box, and that's where you were to be. But, you know, and, and the punishment he took as well, I mean, for a wee guy, he just get up and he get on his way again. Absolutely brilliant. And were you and some of the other senior pros trying to protect him, or was it very difficult to do that when he was out in the wing? No, oh, you Kevin could handle himself. You know, he was a hardy <laughs> wee player. But you just felt, you know, that... They were dishing out because, let's face it, you're up against Kevin McAllister. See, if I was up against him, I'd be trying to hit him hard so he couldn't run. <laughs> Crawford, we're extremely grateful for your time and also for the listeners for tuning in. A reminder to check out the Twitter feed for upcoming guests or you can let us know what other Falkirk players you'd like to hear from and we'll try to make it happen. You'll be listening to Walking Down Hope Street in association with GM Productions. Bye for now.